Hey Rochester, it's Calvin here um, with another episode of More Than Isms Extra. Um, I want to start off by, by wishing everybody a happy and safe um, 4th of July holiday, depending on when you're listening to this episode. Um, this week has been actually quite productive for myself. Um, we fire, So as you know, 540 West Main is, is pretty much um, closed for the month of July. We will, we're sort of gearing up, or I'm gearing up, in terms of leadership to get ready for our workforce development, um, college preparatory and entrepreneurship program that starts on July 8th. And so this week and for the whole month of July, we actually have our um, our, our community courses are not happening. Um, so it gives me a little bit more time to focus on just planning and schedules and trying to catch up on emails and, and other things that I've, I, I've, I don't want to say neglected, but just haven't been able to get to just with the, the day-to-day operations of, of, of answering questions about space, which has picked up a lot in the last two months, which is really awesome with organizations uh, renting space at 540 West Main and the Douglas Auditorium at 36 King Street. So this week I've actually have, have had a lot of work to do, um, doing some grant writing um, with a freelance grant writer that we've we've hired um to help us with some grant writing so it's been a pretty productive week for me i am taking thursday off for the most part but i'll probably find something to do because there's just there's just always so much there's so many moving parts with 540 west main and our digital content and our social media and our in-person content that um it's it's it keeps me going a lot and so i actually feel really good to to have a lot of time to catch up on emails. I know that many people in the community are actually on vacation, have already started their vacation. Um, my father and my sister and my mother, they actually went down or started their drive to Selma, Alabama this morning. So they'll be gone for a few a few days through the weekend. So those of you who are out there who are traveling, really, really try to be safe and be cautious drivers. Um, it's one of the things that I did want to chat about this week a little bit and just bring awareness to is that we lost um, community members last Sunday, actually. I don't I don't know the, all the details of the story, but 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 one of the students who actually was in the Rochester or the Leadership Rochester Emerging Leaders Program, they were involved in a five person car accident on the way to Pennsylvania, and I believe um, his mother and aunt passed away in the accident. He and another member of his family are actually still in the hospital in critical condition. So sending prayers to the, to the I think the, I don't wanna mess up the name. I, I'm gonna look it up here, if you can bear with me, to the family. Um, it's just, it's, it's really, from what I understand it, it was a single vehicle accident that just had to do with overcorrecting on the road and an SUV that flipped over several times. And so I'm, I'm just torn up about it because it's someone that I met even even briefly on um, the Emerging Leaders Program, which works with teenagers. They had a session at 540 West Main in May and I was able to meet him. Um, and apparently his mother worked for the mayor's office as well. So. Um, Lovely Warren earlier this week was able to give um, some really thoughtful words 
to the staff member who, who lost her life. So I'm actually pulling up Lovely's Facebook page now to make sure that I get the name right here. Um, let's see. Let's see what we've got. And I think it's on the mayor's personal Facebook page here. Let's see. Let's see. Yes. So the Charlotte D. Davenport with her, with her aunt, they passed away. Um, she was actually a city hall employee for a very long time. And so the Davenport family, I want to let you to know that, that you're in my thoughts and prayers for sure. So if, if you're on the road, even in the city, be safe. Don't drink and drive. Call an Uber. Drivers, the, it's incumbent upon you as drivers to be extra cautious because when you're driving, you're carrying a, 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 a you're in a vehicle that can also be a deadly weapon and cause great damage and harm to pedestrians. So, um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Urban Phoenix podcast by Arian Herbovitz, I really suggest that you do. He uses Anchor as well for his podcast, and it's, it's an amazing show talking about issues of urbanism that affect us. And sort of segueing into what I really want to talk about for this episode, um, it the the idea came from, of course, I listen. I'm an avid NPR listener, and I try to listen to um, Connections with Evan Dawson, produced by Megan Mac, pretty much every day, if not live. I listen to the podcast and. The other day, I believe it was yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, there was an episode titled Understanding Segregation in America, and uh, the panelists on the show included um, Bill Calla, who was the former superintendent of Rochester City School District, Paul Hippolyte, who was a political strategist, and um, Iman Scanlon, Scanlon? education and policy analyst for the children's agenda and so the conversation was really centered around segregation of schools we know statistically um our schools are more segregated today in 2019 than they were in the 1950s in the civil rights era and there was a conversation about that especially locally where we we basically have a situation where the suburban districts, 90% of them are white and 10% are black. And the city school district, RCSD, Rochester City School District, is just the opposite of that with 90% black students attending and 10% white students. And the conversation now is basically saying, like, what is America? What are our city governments? What are individuals going to do to change this de facto de facto legis- or de facto situation where even though 55 years ago segregation was ruled as um, against the constitution we the, I don't want to say we because it wasn't me personally but but systemic racism and institutional racism created policies um, and then that was basically reinforced by individuals racist white families who decided to move to suburbs to create pockets and communities of of isolation because they did not want their children to be taught by by or to talk with black black children and families and what we have today is a community that has one of the highest concentrations of poverty not only in, in not only monroe county but across the country 
And we have a situation where we still have segregated communities, um, po- very high concentrations of poverty, specifically in the city of Rochester, um, the suburbs, Pittsburgh, Brighton, Spencerport, even with efforts of Urban Suburban, which was supposed to be an intersectional program, there has not been systemic integration in our school districts. And it's created, re- really proliferated racism for our communities. And this was what the episode of of of, of Evan Dawson of, of, of Connections was about. And as I was listening, I really felt that everybody sort of alluded to racism. They talked about Spencerport and, and the uproar from the community. Spencerport was one of the last districts within the last three years, I think, within the last five years to adopt Urban Suburban. And the visceral rhetoric, the racist rhetoric, the racist thoughts that were shared by community members against allowing urban suburban um, was just, for many people, mind-boggling, but for myself and many other people of color, very, um, it was just more, more proof of the fact that our schools are segregated today in 2019 at these high rates because of racism. Um, I felt, and I, and I will share and I'll read the letter that I wrote, the email that I wrote to Evan Dawson and Megan Mack about the show. I feel like they skirted around the issue of actually succinctly and specifically calling out racism, um, calling out the racist thinking of people, the mindset, the actions. And I feel that there were certain phrases like, you know, racial was used, bias maybe was used, but no one ever specifically said that segregation is an issue in our community locally in the United States because of racism, because of institutional racism and individual racism that has created a situation where many white people, even though they may say different things, continue to uphold policies, continue to reinforce policies, continue to um, voice their displeasure of systemic interaction or integration um, with communities of color. And this is just indicative, and, and this is not an indictment of Spencer Port, but this is certainly the calling out of Spencer Port. Um, many of the people who were overt in their thoughts of not wanting to be with those those children, to not want to have those kids in our district, tainting our district, were very, very vocal on how they felt. Many people felt that they moved to Spencerport or other suburbs because we did not want our children to be intermingled with or taught with those city children. And that was, to me, in my opinion, never explicitly stated. And we have to state it. We have to say the facts. We have to call it what it is that many things, Bill Calla specifically said several times that no matter what um, the solution is, whether it's a countywide school system, whether it's the pie slice model where the, the Rochester City School District is dissolved completely and all of the suburban county sort of incorporates various different sectors of the city, it will take political will. And we know in this country, politicians sp- are supposed to be the voice of the people and reinforce what citizens, individual citizens who vote for them want. And if there are people who are very loud, who say that they do not want black and brown children 
taught with their white children, if that is the overwhelming rhetoric, then politicians are going to create policies that are racist, inherently racist, inherently biased, that reinforce that. And until we all are honest with ourselves and calling out these racist ideals, until white people actually stop skirting around these, stop skirting around it and call it what it is, we are going to continue to have segregate, segregated communities and segregated schools because of individual and systemic racism. And it's something that we have to call out. I have to call out because we can talk about how we love each other, we can talk about how this, we can talk about that, but we have to talk about the economics of it, the poverty of it, that the poverty has been reinforced by laws, by policies, by procedures that are created by city, the city, the state, and local governments, and that then are reinforced by people. And if by, there are if there are enough white people who stand in accompliceship as accomplices with people of color who are saying that Black Lives Matter, that this is not right, then it will take them using their voices to make sacrifices, to make real systemic change. And it seems like most white people in our communities do not want to do this, no matter what they say, because their actions show that they appreciate or they are okay with segregation. Um, politicians will change if the people say that they want true change. And so I want to read the, the email that I sent to Evan Dawson and Megan Mack yesterday about the show because it was really one of the callers that actually made me have a very emotional and visceral reaction to the conversation. For the most part, I agreed with everything that was said. There was nothing that I felt was said that was not factual, that was problematic particularly, but it was really the... um example or the the story of one of the callers who was a a former teacher um I'll try to set this up as I look for the email and pardon me for not being better prepared um but it was really this teacher this former teacher who called in who said that um in the 1970s she was a first year teacher during the time of um the efforts locally, one of the local school districts, one of the, the there was an effort locally in 1970 that there was a, a, a being sort of like a push politically for a countywide school system in our area here. And one of my colleagues, Shane Wiegand, actually is um, a local historian who has done a lot of research um, and has actually a presentation about um, redlining and racist policies that have created the school districts that we see today. And I'm really trying to find this email. I don't know why I can't find it, but the caller, I won't say her name because I'll allow you to go back and listen to the episode and get her name for yourself. It was really her call that really had me write this this email to Evan Dawson and Megan Mack and then basically... Um, we really want to record an episode of More Than Isn't Extra to share with you this viewpoint that I have about us just really skirting around these issues and not wanting to be direct and call it for what it is. Um, so let me try to see if I can pull it up here. 
Um, here it is. So I'm gonna read verbatim what I wrote to Megan Mack and Evan Dauphin before I elaborate. Hi, Megan and Evan. If there is another panel or follow-up to today's show on school segregation, and you do decide to have the teacher from Aurora on, I would like to be involved on that. Her call was pretty implicitly racist, prejudiced, and stereotyping, scapegoating, etc. And this mindset from quote-unquote well-meaning white people literally reinforces the issues that the entire show was about. This mindset is toxic and harmful. In her examples, she blatantly reinforced the racist thinking that many white people have, that they are only okay with being with or teaching with or teaching exceptional black people that excel and do not cause trouble. Instead of making her example an individual instance, she stereotyped an entire effort. This is what racist white people do and have done in the past and present, and it reinforces segregation. It has to be called out directly. This entire discussion requires two full hours or a dedicated panel. I am disappointed that no one on the panel succinctly called out the individual and systemic racism that remains in our systems. Everyone seemed to beat around and allude to it in coded language, even Evan Dawson. This just will not do. These viewpoints, whether well-meaning or not, are racist, and we have to call it out for what it is in order to change it. So to give you some context on the caller from Aurora, she basically said that, and this is just my summary of what she said, this is what I heard, um, perhaps you hear something different if you go back to the episode and listen to it. Um, and if you do, feel free to email me at info540westman at gmail.com with your thoughts about this episode of More Than Isms Extra. But she called, she said she was from Aurora. She said that she was a first year teacher in the 1970s when there was an effort at one of the schools um, that was um, integrated at that time locally. And her example was that she, she didn't say ex- explicitly that it was bad, but she said that I was there and it was, basically she said more or less it was interesting. She said that she was physically assaulted. She didn't say by whom, but I'm assuming that she was referring to a student, perhaps a black student, I'm assuming. And she said that basically, basically, to me, she was implying that it was chaotic, that it was not a good, not a safe situation. And she actually said that she transferred to another school and then she ended up becoming a professor at Cornell, etc. Um, and to me, the purpose of her call was to basically reinforce the idea that an integration effort was unsafe, was unruly, and was something that was unsafe for her as a white teacher. And to me, it was basically painting a more broad stroke that, well, when you have integrated integration efforts, if you have quote-unquote unsafe or unruly black people or black children or black students, students who, it's been said, are not the exceptional black students, students who, black students who are not closely aligned to the white ideal, then that's a problem. And to me, she was basically reinforcing the idea that many people have that they don't want the troubled black children in their schools being taught next to their students. And this ideal 
Again, this is my interpretation of what she was calling in to say, um, is racist. It's racist. The idea that there is an exceptional black student, the ideal black student, and as long as, because she went on to say that she went to another school and there were black students who had parents and families who were with it, who were really good, who were really smart, and they did well. So she saw both sides of it. To me, this is the issue. The issue that most black students are not good or not smart or not able to be taught. White teachers have this ideology, and these are teachers who are teaching Rochester City School District students who are mostly white, teaching black and brown students who have, even if they never say it, who have a different um, or a different perspective or who have a different expectation for black students than they have for white students. Black students who are not calm, quote-unquote calm, or quote-unquote exceptional are the problem. This There's a criminalization of black women, of black men who speak their mind, who are quote-unquote louder, who do not fall in line with the white ideal. And all of these coded microaggressions and thoughts are racist because they create systems and viewpoints that disparage and marginalize black students, both women and men, boys and girls, in classrooms, in the system that have created a school-to-prison pipeline and that make black students feel unsafe or different in school districts. And if we do not call it out for what it is, we will not be able to change it. I'm sure that this caller, her intent was not to be racist. I'm sure that she doesn't even see, if she was to go back and listen to what she said, see none of the stereotyping or microaggressions or scapegoating that she alluded to in her comments. If she was assaulted by a black student, so often when a black when a black student um, does something negative or maybe physical to a white teacher, that white teacher then says that all black students are unsafe because of that one student. And instead of attributing it to one individual instance, it's called scapegoating, where you attribute this negative experience to an entire race or class or, 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 or group of people based on one or two experiences. And it's interesting because when white students assault teachers or white students commit crimes, white people are not stereotyped and marginalized systemically in the way that black and people of color are, are in this country. And that is racist because it creates systems that disparage, that marginalize, that quite literally create a different pipeline for black people in this country and has led to the further criminalization and marginalization of black people where we have white people, white police officers who for no reason are fearful of black students. The policing of black bodies the policing of black people. And we have to be honest that these microaggressions, these biases are what fuel segregation 
in our communities in Rochester and in Syracuse and Buffalo and in other urban centers in this country. I'm going to share with you um, some statistics really quickly as we get to the close of our episode here. Um, I did share some of this on my personal Facebook. I asked the question, why are local schools more segregated in 2019 than in the 1950s? And one of the comments from a teacher or a social worker in Hilton, she said that data shows us that Monroe County schools are among the top 10 most segregated in the nation. We have zoned our district lines like a turtle shell with poverty in the center and pockets of wealth surrounding. We need to refine as pie slices, but that means superintendents need to relinquish control of their districts which was never happened. And and she cited a recent Democrat and Chronicle article by Justin Murphy, of course, the Time to Educate series, which you can find, you can Google. It was updated on June 7th, 2018 by Justin Murphy. The story highlighted the black population was statistically insignificant until the mid 20th century. Rochester was one of many cities to experience race riots or the race rebellion, rather, in the 1960s, and in 2018, only 10% of Rochester City School District students are white, including those of Middle Eastern descent. Other statistics that reinforce my viewpoint is talking about, um, one person talked about Robert Moses created 490, and we know that 490 and the Interloop were specifically created after the race rebellion in the ni- in 1969, in July, to separate um, communities of color so that there wouldn't be a mass of communities of color to have another uprising and to 490 was built in the middle and through poor communities in Rochester that were proliferated by people of color, by black people, making sure that whites could bypass having to drive through these neighborhoods to get to and from their newly built suburban tracks. So the evidence is here and we are not segregated because purely because of individual actions. We are segregated mostly because of systemic and institutional racist policies and practices and actions that created the infrastructure for individuals to double down on their racism. And there is a lot more research at the public library you can do, the Democrat and Chronicle, that, that gives credence to this. And so I feel that it's my job as an educator to share these facts with those of you who are listening. And this is what I wanted to do with this episode of More Than Isms Extra. Thank you so much for your support. You know that More Than Isms Extra is specifically and exclusively for 540 monthly members at the 540 level and $25 level. Those individuals who pay consistently, who are members who who pay $5.40 every month and $25 are able to listen to More Than Isms Extra as part of the, some of the exclusive content that you do get as being a 540 member. Those of you who subscribe or who are members of the $25 level are able to take unlimited classes each month for free events um, at 540 West Main in our operated spaces. So we thank you so much for your support. 
please share the Patreon link, patreon.com backslash 540 West or 540 W Main to your friends, family, and colleagues, those individuals who may not live here in Rochester, who want to benefit, who don't know, um, who have never been taught some of this history. It's really important history. And if you share those the link to your friends and family, they too can subscribe even at the dollar level. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Every dollar counts, and whether it's $1, whether it's $5.40, or whether it's $25, your monthly support ensures that we're able to create and curate dynamic, low-impact, or low-cost, high-impact courses for the community, for this education efforts in wellness, the arts, and anti-racism. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Than Isms Extra. There might be a special 4th of July episode. Um, I haven't decided yet, Um, but thank you so much to listening to this episode, which I'm recording on the Anchor FM app. If you would like to start a podcast, I really, um, if you would like to start a podcast, I really recommend Anchor.fm. It's a very simple platform that anyone with a smartphone can use. Oh my God, I'm, so, I'm really losing my voice here. I apologize. And um, you can find more information on anchor.fm. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Calvin signing out of More Than Isms Extra.